If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, it's Tosh. Um, before we get started today, I just wanted to do a quick disclaimer. Um, the episode that we are about to listen to ended up being quite long, so we decided to go ahead and split it into two parts. So today's episode will be a part one, and then we will continue with next week's episode um, as part two. Hope you guys enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back to the Moms Talk Autism podcast. Today we have a very special guest with us. So sit tight and we will be right back. When you become a mom, you never imagine your child getting an autism diagnosis. It feels like your dreams have shattered, like a framed photograph falling off your mantle, exploding into a thousand pieces. But instead of trying to glue those pieces back together, this community of moms is here to help you build a new dream, a better one. So join in the conversation as us moms talk autism. Hello, everybody. Okay, today we have with us, somebody very special. I don't even know if I can give her the proper introduction because she is an incredible woman, incredible mother. She is an advocate for the autism community, for her son, and for so many others. So with us today, we have the lovely Monica Meyer. That's me. That's her. <laughs> um, I am your host, Tosh, and Shannon is the co-host. Shannon, Shannon's Shannon? just along for the ride. Just along Shannon's, for the ride. Shannon's always along for the ride. You know? Um, okay. So let me do a little explaining of who lovely Monica is. Um, for any of us or for any of you out there, our listeners who heard any of the episodes with our husbands telling their story, their side of the story. Um, my husband, Tyler, shared with you guys about his um, his high school sweetheart. <laughs> um, the first girl, he said, I love you too. So sweet. Anyways, um, he shared about her, her brother, Michael. Um, he shared a funny story about Michael loving um, – 
firefighters, but also loving nuns. <laughs> so if you have not heard that episode, then y'all need to go and listen. Um, but that truly was Tyler's, I would say, first um, first introduction to somebody with you know, an invisible disability with somebody, maybe just a disability altogether. Um, and it kind of shaped him as a young gentleman um, for for his future and for um, the future of his child who is autistic that he would, you know, eventually find out about. Um, so Monica is a lovely woman who is been doing, she has been doing all the advocacy since way back when, because uh, <laughs> Michael is in his late 30s. Yep. Yes. He's 39. Yes, 39. Um, so she has been in it before there was anything. Even before um, IDEA, the Individuals with Disability Act. Yeah. It didn't come out until 91 and Michael was born, was born. in 83. Yes. So, yeah. 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 So mm -hmm. she is, y'all, she is a trailblazer. She is a trailblazer. Mm -hmm. She is a pioneer. Um, she really has paved a lot of the ways in the state of Washington. Um, so we're excited. We are excited to have her on today and for her to tell uh, her story, <clears throat> her story with Michael, because, um, you know, we, we, we always... We always want to be gentle with with sharing too much about our children and um, and being able to keep you know their autonomy and um, so so this is this is her story um, through the journey of raising an autistic son. Yeah. Well, I think that's it, right? Yeah. That's okay. We're done. We're done. That's all. Thanks for coming. <laughs> um, so Monica, share with us, um, share with us that the, the beginning, because, mm -hmm. you know, like we just said, there was, there's so much mm -hmm. access now Yes, and still yeah. not enough, you know, but, mm -hmm. but we, sh we, Shannon and I, and all of the listeners out there, a lot mm -hmm. of us should feel privileged in consideration of where things were back then. Right. So tell us, mm -hmm. let's start with, with Michael's, um, diagnosis. diagnosis. Yeah. And just, yeah. well, and it was interesting because, um, I, sometimes I'll go back and I'll just read his baby book and it was more of a diary for mm -hmm. me mm -hmm. because, um, Molly and Michael are 22 months apart. And so I was concerned at a very early when he was about six months old. Yeah. And I thought something's wrong. You had a feeling. Something's not wrong. Something's different. Not yes. wrong. Something was different. Because he always clenched his hands together, mm -hmm. just kind of really tight. And I thought, well, what what's that? So um that I mean there was a his doctor, I mean his pediatrician just basically said, you know, he'll grow out of this by the age of three. He's mm -hmm. fine. And I'm like, mm, yeah, not so much. I just, you know, he, oh, he's a boy. They're just slower than girls. And I was like, no, something's different because he wasn't sitting up even at nine months. Okay. He had yeah. very low muscle tone. tone. Yeah. And he didn't walk until he was 18 months, but it still fell within the typical milestones. And he, and Michael was not like premature or anything like that. No. Matter of fact, he was late. Okay. He was 10 okay. pounds. 23 inches. Ooh. He was a big boy. Um, 
<laughs> Shannon's eyes. <laughs> Both of my babies were little, so that is the thing. Yeah, like, natural, natural childbirth, by the way. <laughs> but, um, you know, it just, and I, I worried. I was just like, what, what in the world is going on? And I just, it was just, um, you know, listening to professionals. And then, of course, there was no internet. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. looking up in the yellow, the yellow book, yeah. you know, the yeah. yellow pages. Well, yellow pages. You know, it's like, what? I don't even remember it's called. <laughs> Phone book. Yeah. Um, and just looking for things. Like and, just trying to find <clears throat> a doctor or something right. that would, yeah, yeah. And then we, um, we moved. We moved. I can't remember what age. But yeah, because Michael was a year and we moved to Portland mm-hmm. and his pediatrician referred us to, um, at the time, it's a horrible name. It was up by o- Oregon Health Science University and they called, it was the Crippled Children's Center. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Isn't that horrible? Isn't that horrible? I mean, <laughs> obviously, and it took a few years before it would change to um, the Child Development Center. Right. Um, oh my gosh. Isn't that terrible? Oh. No better, oh, do better, come, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah we've come, <laughs> come, we've a, come long a long way. way. Yeah. <laughs> and because <laughs> anyway, um, they did an evaluation and Michael, the only thing that they said that, you know, he looked like he had a lot of sensory issues. Okay. A lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, even when he started walking, he was walking on the sides of his feet. Mm-hmm. So his, his soles would not touch. He would walk on the edges oh. of his feet. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah, and so we started going to um, occupational therapy and all this kind of stuff. And of course, reading back on it, it was like blatant. It was obvious, you know. Now knowing, but it took. It wasn't until he was seven, and that was after um, I was doing some clinical. I was a clinical manager for a pediatric internal medicine uh, clinic, mm-hmm. and it just happened the the day that um i had to take michael in because he had he always had a lot of ear infections uh took him in because he had an ear infection that um we had a substitute doctor that only worked one day a week because she was a, a mom herself and wanted to stay home with her kids but she was a uh developmental behavioral pediatrician mm-hmm. and i mean on the off chance how random is that and yeah. um so it took michael in and michael was sitting on He's sitting beside me, but he's like, he's playing with my hair. He always hold, held on. I had long hair and he would hold on to my hair mm-hmm. just like it was kind of bracing him. And I was just talking and she's just kind of looking at me and she goes, Monica, I didn't know that you had a son with autism. Oh. And I said, Oof. oh, I didn't either. <laughs> oh. I was and just, this is at seven. This is at seven years of age. Yeah. Even at, even at that, it, there was... Oh, well, funny. I mean, we really don't even have good diagnosticians yet, even in our state. Right. Um, but um, yeah, he that's she diagnosed him, and then from that, it just kind of um, I, it did change. Well, change the direction. It's just like, oh yeah, my god! I was like, almost like I've got an answer. Yeah, I can get my I can get my hands around something. Some research, yes, yeah, yeah. And so, well, so quickly, what what did because seven not having a diagnosis until seven, mm-hmm. um, which that is obvious that it does not. Oopsie, hang on, everybody. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, not having a diagnosis till seven that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. hardly ever anymore. No. Right. Yeah. So what did 
school look like? Because seven, he is in first grade? First grade. Yeah. But he did go through early intervention services. Okay. So there was um, early intervention then. Yeah. There okay. was birth to three, um, but that was uh, very random. I mean, it was just kind of a hit and miss. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when we lived in Eugene and uh, University of Oregon, they had a program and someone would come out to the house once a month. Oh, buddy. <laughs> and then we, when we moved, then he was, um, uh, we had, well, at least we had a, you know, quasi diagnosis of developmental disability um, with, uh, didn't even say sen- sensory, just developmental disability, mm-hmm. and that he qualified for services. And that's, we lived in Portland at the time. And I went to go th- see the birth of the three because he was still in that age bracket because he was about two then. And I went to see it and I was like, no way. There is no way in hell I'm going to be sending my child there. Yeah. I just, we couldn't. And so I found a private one. Um, and it was just so happens that um, my uh, Michael's dad at the time was working with a woman who had just recently had a child with Down syndrome. And she was taking her child and she lived in Tiger. It was taking her child to Vancouver to Clark College. Um, and it was called the Pride Program. And I can't remember what the acronym was, but it was basically a birth to three program, but it was, um, it was private, but it was a cooperative, meaning you as a parent had to work to be there. there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that was, uh, he went there for two years and it was, it was fabulous. I mean, it was Shannon almost kind of like ABA now. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. what I was. Okay. But it wasn't. Yeah. And though he had speech and language, he had um, occupational therapy, and he also had. But he. It wasn't like you know, like ABA in the way of discrete trial or pivotal response. It was right. It was more play. Based. More actually, yeah. It was more pivotal response. That, yeah, and it was play based, which was really helpful for me because or you didn't. Yeah, have, I, I learned how to do so much yeah, in that. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> I think I told you, that's when I started working a graveyard shift. Mm-hmm. So I was working at night so I could take Michael to his uh, program, which was three days a week. And so um, that way I had to pay for it. I mean, even though his, you know, his dad was working, it was just like it, um, it wasn't free then. Really? I mean, it wasn't no Recovered charge. Covered by insurance. No, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. No, you had to pay for it, and I had to get my time. So it was uh, quite a commitment. And then, I mean, that's when things. Then he went to the three to five program in the Evergreen School District mm-hmm. here in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And let me see, he went to before he was in first grade. He had gone to five different schools. Oh my gosh. Different quote programs. Because they just couldn't figure out Mm-mm. what to do with them. He, and he did have some challenging behaviors. Um, and because it was sensory overload, he was, it was auditory sensitivity. He was in a classroom with a lot of kids and this is going to sound horrible. It is horrible. Matter of fact, it makes me sick. But one of the things that they did is they built a platform like a, it was an eight, four by eight piece of plywood that they uh, built a chair that was uh, affixed to it and then tied Michael into it because what? they had tried to tie him in a chair before, but Michael would just get up and run with the chair on his back to get him to sit. 
Yes, yeah. Shan- Shannon's. This is true story. If I you mean, guys could see us, Shannon's oh, eyes are saucers. Well, both of our eyes are saucers, but like I'm just, <sighs> it, it's, yeah. and I just have to say this because it's, we've talked to other people um, and, and maybe not necessarily um, parents of autistic children or kids mm-hmm. or adults, but um, other specialists that have enlightened us of what things used to be like. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, it still just, well, ABA therapy, at the, I mean, that's, I had such an aversion against it. Yeah. Because of the initial Lobos, uh, UCLA, he was the one who basically, like, you know, founded it. Founded yeah. it. But it was, um, I mean, it was not just, you know, positive and discipline. It was sit in your seat. Um, it was very rough. Yeah. Very, mm-hmm. very, very aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. And this is, um, this is happening in a public school school district. Mm -hmm. Yes. Wow. So, um, you know, because it's, it's crazy for me to think about that because now, I mean, there's, there's obviously still bad districts out there. We see it still all the time in the news, Mm -hmm. um, where people, where teachers or some kind of, you know, uh, school employees put their hands on children. Um, but, Back then, what I mean was it like this is just part of protocol, or yeah, how did you like? But I didn't even know that, that it, it was, was happening? happening because, um, there wasn't, although it, there was an educational plan, it wasn't an IEP because IEPs really there weren't, it, right. I mean, there wasn't a protocol for them until IDEA 91, yes, yeah, and so, um, yeah, it wasn't, an, and then. I think it was in the early nineties that, you know, they really started reinforcing positive behavior support plans. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and actually with the reauthorization in 97, that was such a big, big deal yeah. is um, that you, I mean, negative or averse adversities do not, um, I mean, weren't used in schools. Well, and they still are, but um um, by law that they couldn't. And it was, it just gave me, uh, a more of a, uh, you know, had, I had, there was a law behind it. it gave me some teeth to say, you can't, you do can't this. do this. Yeah. 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 And so I had, was able to have a bigger voice and just say, no, this isn't going to happen. Yeah. 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 So, so this is, um, this is happening when Michael is in now, let's just say he's in because he's seven when he has a diagnosis, he yep. skipped around to a few different mm-hmm. schools. So he's still in elementary school when this is happening. Right. He's segregated into a sped yes, room. Yes, a, a contained classroom. A contained, um, okay. as they call it, life skills now. Life but skills. It, yeah, yeah. But it was a contained classroom that only okay. had children with disabilities and they were the whole gamut of, of, ra- of ranges of disabilities. So they had, right. they had kids in there that were, had down syndrome. Mm-hmm. They had kids in there who were uh, autistic behavior and, okay, and everything. Au- yeah. autistic and speaking, autistic and non-speaking. Well, you know, the funny thing is there weren't that many kids with autism. There wow. weren't that many kid autistic kids. Right. They're just matter of fact, in Michael's, Michael's uh, birth to three and three to five, he was, he was just, he was the only one that was different. Yeah. The rest had down syndrome. Or like, mm, um, so or microcephalia, uh, or something along that line, or maybe cerebral palsy, but right. not autism. autism. Wow. wow! No, and that's when it just really started. Um, really, until I don't know, mid 
nineties that, um, there's started to be more kids showing up and what, and actually towards the end of the nineties. And it was just because I was working for a birth to three center mm -hmm. and I was on a diagnostic team that we were seeing more kids. Matter of fact, you know, the speech and language, the whole a multidisciplinary team, it was a birth to three uh, program. It was like, where are these kids coming from? Yeah. There was all of a sudden this big wave wave yeah. of kids with autism, autistic kids that were, you know, the whole range of just needing speech and language to, um, they needed the, 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 the sensory. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. huh. Um, I wish I could remember Shannon, you've probably seen the documentary, um, I will find it and I will put it in the show notes. <laughs> oh, that one. <laughs> yes. Okay. For all of you out there. Anyways, it's a very good documentary. I don't remember if it's Netflix, something like that. We will figure it out. But um, mm -hmm. it, it follows a story of a young man um, who it was back in, in and around that time, around 93, where they were recognizing mm -hmm. this. And, and they talk about that same thing, you know, yeah. that, that there just wasn't anybody else out there like nope. their son. And mm -hmm. it was it was really just this trying to you're essentially educating yourself. You're Absolutely. because I mean, and we still do that, right? Like just because you've met one autistic person doesn't mean you, you know, no, right. <laughs> yes. But, and so, yeah. but it's like, then it especially was, you know, this still just so in the dark, people had no idea, no about, idea. Mm -hmm. you know? And, and so is Michael is, non-speaking or speaking? Michael speaks. I okay. would um, typically, um, he would be identified as being functionally nonverbal. Okay. Okay. Because he does talk and he, but it's more echolalia, repetitive, yes. um, repetitive use of known phrases, right. those type of things. Yeah. Scripting. Yeah. O occasionally he will come out with something and it's like, wait a minute. Yeah. But he does, if he wants to communicate, he will write it. Write it down. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or and he'll point at it, or he uses visuals. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to assume they didn't have AAC devices back then. Okay, no, no, no. <laughs> just to oh, clarify. no, no, no. And even when they first came out, they were just huge and clunky, and, and they were not, like four yeah. or five thousand dollars. Oh gosh! And insurance did not pay for it. Yeah, yeah. And when, uh, yeah, it's huh. just was. It's it's pretty incredible to me though that um, um, Shannon, I'm sure you'll you'll agree because some people have this journey where. It's like when you look back, how things just lined up, you know, mm -hmm. none of this journey is perfect and there is no like, oh, we no. found out really young and, right. and we got all these <laughs> therapies and everything's just, you know, peachy keen. Yeah. But like the fact that you worked with that group, that group, I know, you know, and, and she knew enough about autism that mm -hmm. she was able to see that and, and, and diagnose yep. him, you know, yeah. especially because you think back to like the early on where you knew your, your mother intuition, yes. your gut was telling you that there was mm -hmm. something that was different, obviously, especially because you'd already had Molly, you'd seen what typical yep. looks like, you mm -hmm. know? Um, so that is just, it's like yeah. there's through the hard, there's still like some of those blessings, I suppose, you know, and, and I don't know, yeah. I don't know how to, I'm not, saying that properly, but well, no, I mean, and they were, I mean, in hindsight, they yeah, were, yes. because if we hadn't moved to Portland right, and then into Vancouver, um, I think Michael's life would have been, um, again, much different. Mm -hmm. The outcomes would have been much different. Mm -hmm. At least I feel I, you know, I don't know. I think, I mean, well, I know that this is where we were supposed to be. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it's been home for 
well, I don't know, quite a few years. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I can remember. Yes. Good heavens. Um, so, well, probably 35 years. So, yeah. um, and it, you know, just um, having the opportunity, obviously, I was on the the ICC for birth to three. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, really, and that's when the evolution or the, I should say, it was the evolution of idea and then the reauthorization um, that, you know, that the part B and part C of idea and that we fought for um, birth to three to be paid for by the school districts mm-hmm. um, that weren't before. And can you just share with people really quickly mm-hmm. what idea is? Oh, Individuals with Disability Education Act. Yes. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So you like literally, like I said in the beginning, you were um, a trailblazer in this area. Yeah. I mean, because it was um, it was obviously so, so necessary and there was just the inkling of, oh, there's this ABA thing, mm-hmm. you know, and then they were showing things of, you know, videos, quote, um, yeah. that's what, you know, the first, you know. Because what, do you, of, when uh, did SPED come into, when was, when was, um, when was that created? Well, well or the idea of. Idea, well, special education. Right. Um, yes. Well, it had only, well, it had not, actually hadn't been there all along. Right. I mean, really until the 1980s that there was, quote, special education before kids could even be in public school. Right, right, right. right. I mean, they weren't even allowed into the school. And if they were, if they had something, then they were on, you know, an auxiliary pl- part of the school in a basement or, you know, yes. someplace where they just contained just hidden, them. Yeah, but they the- weren't, there was no education. <clears throat> there was no, nothing for them to do, mm-hmm. really, mm-hmm. other than containing them. Yes. And even for... Michael, I, I actually, when he was in first grade, um, there, a, a, she was an advocate from Educational Service District 112 mm-hmm. that she showed me um, this program that Michael was going to go to. I mean, of course, placement was already identified first. Right. You know, which is not the way it is now. Right. It's not supposed to be that way. Right. And, and, I, and she said, so he could either go here or he can go to another place, but you have to decide now, do you want him to ride the bus or do you want him to read uh, Mark Twain? And I said, I want him to do both. Yeah. I mean, that was like, like what, why, I have why to make a choice. A, yeah. I yeah. was very confused. Um, and so just uh, the first few years, it was just, um, it was difficult. I mean, just because he was, he was aggressive. He ran, um, they, you know, just keeping him in a building was just very challenging, very challenging. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, all the way through elementary, actually the first time that Molly and Michael were in the same school, um, it was for one year. She was in fifth grade and she, and he was in sixth grade. And even at that, they had, they went at that point, rather than center base, they went to school, uh, your neighborhood school. Mm-hmm. And then they went back to, anyway, it's just yeah. back and forth, back and yeah. forth. But at any rate, that was the first time that they, the two of them were actually in the same school. And it was just like, oh my gosh. And one teacher, I mean, her, Mrs. Warren was her name, just a, a gem of a woman. Mm-hmm. And Miss Zadak, Peggy Zadak was the other lady that was Michael's para. That she, I mean, and Michael talked about her. I mean, and 
but she basically, I mean, was, was basically his vehicle aid yeah. he, every place that yeah. he went. And this cute little story that, because he did, I mean, their inclusion part was he was part of their um, homeroom, basically. Mm, you know, the gen ed class. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just, you just go in, you know, for the Pledge of Allegiance and then he went back out. And, but that being said, he was there for lunch and they're standing in line and Miss Zadak is beside Michael and Mr. Davis was the teacher and these kids are just kind of be, you know, they're out of line. They're kind of messing around. And he said, Hey, get in line or we're not going to lunch. And they all kind of stood in line and they were all just nice. And, and somebody came by and started talking with Mr. Davis and the kids are still standing there being very good. And, um, out of the back, Michael goes, is Mr. Davis stupid? <laughs> and it was because it was like, buddy, come just on. Say, say, they just, you know, I love it. I'm just very just say frank. It like it is. That's it. And, <laughs> very, I mean, to this day, very frank. <laughs> I have seen Mr. Davis and he said, you know, I, that is one thing that he'll never forget. <laughs> and he said, and he said, do you remember just saying, Michael, you're right. I told you if you would, if you all stood in line, you could go to lunch. And then, yeah. and then now let's go to lunch. So, I mean, those, you know, those are, and oh, and the other is that, um, and I can't remember. Oh, Joe Frazier. He was the pres uh, principal of uh, Riverview yeah. Elementary. Yeah. And he happened to be Catholic and he knew because Michael had, you know, he liked nuns. He loved his rosaries that um, uh, if he went anywhere, Michael would go and he would go by the office. And Mr. Mr. Frazier caught him on several occasions. And it, actually he had gone to Rome and he brought back Michael holy water oh. and a rosary from Rome. Oh and it was gosh. just like, so sweet. Oh my God. Yeah, yes. it was, it was yeah. very sweet. Yes. And he made, you um, guys are Catholic. Yes. We okay. Are. I was yeah, going to yeah, make yeah. sure like, where did this, where did this, <laughs> Where'd well, that land? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, and this will, you know, Molly Did will probably. Did he just see Sister Act and no. really like. <laughs> it just, well, you know, when you talk about things that just kind of like all of a sudden happen together. Yes. Well, long, Molly will get into that. Yeah. She said, she'll yeah. always, she has said, you know, my mom sent me to a convent, but I really didn't. <laughs> she was in a girls club that happened to be at a convent. Yes. <laughs> um, that she went to. And Michael, I mean, he it was in Beaverton. So we lived off of 164th. And yeah. so it was you know, a, a 30, jaunt, quite yes. a jaunt. Yeah. So we stayed there and Michael and I would just hang around. And it was just at the same time, Sister Act came out on video. Yeah. And it was just like this. <laughs> but the other thing is, is that they, the sisters, you know, all were habits. Yeah. They all were, um, loved Michael. Yeah. They were very gentle with Michael. Yeah. And it, I mean, to this day, we still go to that convent. Yeah. And I, that's I kind of laughing because he, we started going there when he was seven. So did, I, I, a little side note to that. Um, what was that like, like growing up go, on Sundays, were you guys able to go to? No. Okay. And I'm assuming the, the, mm -hmm. the um, church that you went to did not have a, no, a program. Matter of fact, it was like, you know, just don't bring them. That being said, no, so not, yeah. I mean, not outright don't bring him, but it was just, kind yeah, of this, no, it was. Oh, okay. No, I mean that, no, Ooh, that was, I am just like getting mm -mm. all the so exploding head emojis right now. <laughs> just like what is even happening? So there was a mom, actually two moms that had started 
a, um, well, at first it was called a special needs map, mass, and then it was an adaptive mass, and it was only once a month, and families of children with disabilities could attend a service. And we had a priest that came over from the University of Portland who said mass um, because the parish priest said uh, he didn't have time for it. So we had to go find somebody that could say mass, that we could have a service together. And it was a beautiful, uh, matter of fact, we had, there was probably of kids with disabilities. I mean, and I would say a big part of them were autistic kids. Mm -hmm. That's where I got to know almost all of the autistic kids at the same age that Michael was because they went to the same mass. Um, But it grew and it grew. And, um, the parish priest shut it down because he said um, it, he felt like it was, we were splintering from the church and we were not, um, we were not um, giving our, our, uh, what do you call it? I, we always called it collection, but our offering. Your offering. Yeah, Yeah. Right. Yeah. Although we all did because we belonged to the parish. Right. But he said, we're still, he wasn't, he was not, uh, he was a I, piece of work. I think this is, um, and this is obviously, we we will not go down this road. Um, but I think that this is the struggle with so many people in the community, in, in you know, the autistic community, whether it be an actually autistic person or, you know, the parents to autistic children and, and their believers, you know, that this is the struggle is where, you know, so many people don't feel that acceptance, right. you know, or they mm-hmm. don't have any kind of support system within the church. Um, oh. and, and just there of that, where they just say, you're just not, you're not, you're not welcome, but you're, mm-hmm. we're also not going to set something up for you. Right. You know, and that's mm-hmm. just, it's just, again, my head's exploding, Shannon. I just don't. Well, because they're saying you're not, you're splintering off, but you're splintering off because you're not welcome. That's it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I mean, and, but, but you know, it, it's, ugh, yeah. Anyways, it, but they're okay. Yeah. And I was still, you know, obviously my faith was very strong. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd gone through Catholic grade school and high school. Yeah. I had, a, I mean, I came from a very big, large Catholic family. Mm-hmm. Um, it was that was in my roots, and I was like not going to give that up. Yeah, and I, and I still haven't. Yeah, and it um, just another piece though of that advocacy mm-hmm. for you, where you were like, no, this is not, this is not okay. This is yeah, exactly. It was yeah. I, and I just kept going, you know, going to different uh, churches, actually parishes even to find, um, and there was we did go <laughs> to one which was by Miss Al. A Holy Redeemer, which is 172nd. Of course, a lot of people don't know what I'm talking about. At any rate, um, <laughs> okay. it's like it was a church. Anyway, it, it had originally started at, <laughs> as a um, video store. Okay. On um, for all of you out there that don't know, <laughs> yeah, video store. Yeah, what's a video store? Well, yeah, they had closed down. <laughs> they weren't, but it's right on the corner of. It was on Hunters. Um, mill plane. Anyway, that's where they held mass for almost five years while they were doing the transition of getting the church. Yeah. yeah. Building a church and stuff. Yes. (laughs) Michael would go there. And yeah. And, and actually that was one of his jobs when he was in the transition program that he would go and he would help set up um, 
uh, the choir books mm-hmm. in the in the church pews. Well, actually, there were more chairs with yeah. Um, yes, and my friend actually happened to be the um, uh, church, the parish secretary, mm-hmm. and so he knew people there. Yeah, so he was in that comfort. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it was it was a place where he would he would he would go. We wouldn't be able to stay for the whole thing, and oftentimes I was like, "I'll get you a chocolate milkshake." You sit there, I'll get you another shot. Bribe me. whatever. She bribe me. She's got a, <clears throat> she's got a French fry, McDonald's French fry girl. Uh, <laughs> gotta do yeah. what you gotta do. You do, right? <laughs> and so that's, you know, we felt. Um, it, it felt welcoming there. Yes. It felt, it, it felt like a family. It felt inclusive. And yeah. the families that were from, uh, that had been part of these special needs maths were going to this parish as well yeah. because they felt really connected as well. Yeah. So. so I love that you said that because I, I want to segue into this. Um, you know, uh, we have so many opportunities now, obviously with having mm-hmm. social media and having yes just internet, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, we but, but where we can, know? yeah, <laughs> starting <laughs> where we can, meet groups of people, um, mm-hmm. or, or we can meet it through this, you know, our, our children's school mm-hmm. district, wherever, you know, and I love that you said that that's kind of where you found some of your community, mm-hmm. you know, um, yep. because what did that look like back then? What was finding community? Well, um, uh, finding community. I, well, a good friend of mine that's still, she's still a good friend of mine. She, in our birth of three program, she started a parent coalition mm. and she um, that was through uh, Clark County and it was, you know, advocating on a legislative level um, for services for our kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, she has a son with uh, Angelman syndrome. And um, I tell you, I, I mean, and I, I tell her over and over a million times, I said, you know, her name is Sandy. And I said, Sandy, if it hadn't been for you, I mean, I just, can't imagine all the doors that had not opened. And, you know, she would say conversely, no, Mm -hmm. if it hadn't been for you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, and they actually, there, there's three of us, there's a a woman now, her name is Darla and she runs, it's called peace and it's parents empowered and communities enhanced. Mm -hmm. And so she, that's what she does. And it's helping families navigate the service system. Mm-hmm. And so that was, you know, just came through my um, PTSO, which is our um, parent teacher of oh. uh, disabilities at the school district. Mm-hmm. They're just a flyer for them just came through. Oh yeah. So I just, I just now know about that. So I know exactly oh. what you're talking about. That oh, is so neat to yes oh. put the pieces together. together. Yeah. Because I mean, Sandy and Darla who does peace, we all were advocates, <clears throat> volunteers. Mm-hmm. And then we started working for different agencies. So I started working for uh, ESD 112, which mm-hmm. is Ed- Educational Service District 112. And I was actually a paid, I was more more of a, I was a student advocate. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I wasn't the parent advocate and I wasn't the teacher advocate. I was for the, the student. Um, and the school districts, believe it or not, paid for me to do that. Wow. Because- um, there were so many because when ideas started rolling out, people were having um, were suing the school districts. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. I could imagine. <clears throat> um, that is that is. So you had a super career shift. Yes, <laughs> I tell you, I had several. Yes, seriously, going from well, that weird, not weird. The interesting thing, which you know, you may or may not. Um, when I was doing clinical management, and actually, I did, I moved from. 
um, a office in Cascade Park, and then I went into Camas, mm-hmm. and I literally got fired from the job. Mm. And it was because um, I I had I didn't have anybody to take care of Michael. I was divorced. I had newly divorced. Mm-hmm. Michael was seven. Molly was nine. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, this is I mean I wasn't be wasn't able to get to the office until eight forty five because Michael's bus picked him up at eight fifteen. I get in the car and drive, and literally I it was I had nobody else mm-hmm. to do it, mm-hmm. and then. Because he did not sleep well, I was often up until one or two in the morning. And um, so on my lunch hour, I would go and sleep in my car and I would set an alarm. <laughs> so I would wake up and I had, um, I did a good job. I mean, that's, there was no yeah, question question your, about yeah. my uh, ability. And I typically, because at that point, then their dad was, uh, had a night <clears throat> actually two nights, either Tuesday and then Friday every other week. But I would just, I would stay and work. And I was a hard worker. It's still, I'm a hard worker, but um, I just didn't like that. And there was no support for having, uh, there was no family leave. There was nothing, nothing, like there was that. nothing like yeah. that. And yeah. there was no, um, you know, any sort of empathy for having a child with a disability at all. So, Total discrimination. Total discrimination. Absolutely. And so that's where my uh, my life really shifted, uh, which is kind of funny because it's also when I got remarried. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I had been single for almost six years and then, oh, Lord. So, yeah. So that's when I got into birth through three and then I went into um, ESD 112. And the woman that showed me the school that said either ride the bus or uh, Mark Train, I took her job. Oh, how do you like them apples? <laughs> I know, right? I mean, not right. to be, you know, <clears throat> forgive yeah. me, Jesus, but like, come on. But it was kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. Like, listen, Linda. <laughs> and so when I started working there, I happened to work with another a school psychologist. And she, I, the interesting, I was being called to, and that's why I got to know almost, I would say, a lot of folks with autism in our community because. The majority of, of calls that I was going to schools were, and I kept data, I'm a, a data freak, mm-hmm. were either kids with ADHD mm-hmm. or autism. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. it. I mean, there was an occasional, uh, actually gifted program. Um, I had a couple of those that, um, it was like, that's out of my wheelhouse. <laughs> I don't yeah, even yeah. know what to do for you other than because the families wanted more. And I, but anyway. Yeah. Um, and that's when we started talking about developing a a cadre to teach teachers how to support kids with autism. And so that's what I did is I started the Regional Autism Consulting Cadre. And we had um, 15 different school districts here in Southwest Washington. And for 12 years, wow. I was able to teach teachers how to how to support kids with autism. And we brought in national speakers we had um, we had mentoring from of all places uh, Kansas University, which I'm still connected with, um, and uh, I mean that was my my whole education. Is I mean it was, and actually I still am so good friends with most everybody because it was um, teachers felt supported mm-hmm. and 
and then of all things to have a parent be the one that's driving this. Yeah. Um, that then their whole attitude is, you know, parents are, <laughs> you know, parents aren't our enemies. They're right. our allies. Yeah. We should and, be at this table together supporting right. this child. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it, to, with that to say, it's so mind boggling to me that <laughs> still <laughs> teachers um, mm-hmm. are not taught. No. In their education through university, right? No, a not. portion of, of of how to teach kiddos mm-hmm. with more exceptional needs, right? So there's still teachers that are coming into school districts mm-hmm. that have never, they don't. Ha- I mean, whether they've worked with a child or not, but they've never had any formal training yeah. on. No, it's almost like I'm like is that just bizarre to me, or is it bizarre? <laughs> bizarre it is bizarre because it's. Um, Oh, yeah. Teachers, I mean, are taught how to um, manage a classroom, Mm -hmm. write it, you know, write their curriculum, teach the curriculum, grade and keep data, but how to instruct and support a child to actually, I mean, that was the whole thing. A child, if they're not supported in the environment, they're never going to learn. You can't nail them to an environment yes. and say, you need to learn. Yes. And so that was one of the things that the cadre did is that we developed three different teams. There was early childhood, middle school and transition. Yeah. And that if the school district needed, we would come in and do an assessment or evaluation. Yeah. And of that, and from that came um, several different, uh, which was teachers on special assignments, which are TOSAs mm-hmm. that they would then become their autism specialists in their schools. And that was until um, uh, ABA started uh, being paid for by Medicare or Medicaid Mm -hmm. or even um, um, individual insurance company. And that didn't even start until 2005. And I actually, I know, I mean, our zoo is another mom and she's in the, um, it was in 2005, I was... um, the governor pointed to um, an autism task force for the state of Washington. And there were 14 of us, believe it or not, that were making decisions on the state. Um, and she, that was her thing. She had come from Texas and they had ABA services and mm. she didn't, under, you know, she was like, Why? we need to Why have it. We need everywhere. To have it. Yeah. And so she was really instrumental in getting um, insurance to pay for ABA services. Um Huh. And that came out of this, out of the task force, um, along with um, uh, one of the, at the Children's Center, the autism program that also came from that. And then A-Star, which Dr. Gary Stoby, that came from that. So it was. Um, A lot of the good old state of Washington. Yeah. I yeah. love it. Yeah. I that came it. from that work. It was. Yeah. Yeah. And I still, like I said, I mean, the, of these groups of people have been still very um, support. And I know them. I know the doctors. I know the, you know, neuropsychologists and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just those, um, because we're all there. And the interesting thing is, is most of us were, were you know, parents in sure. a professional capacity in either education or, you know, psychology, so, yeah. medical, medical, whatever yes, it was, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. So, and you're right. I mean, it was, you know, when I look at, the things that, um, you know, that I was just kind of put into, and I didn't say no. Mm-hmm. That was the thing where it's like, oh, I can't do this. And I was just, you know, I, 
And the, I mean, the word, interesting thing is, is because when I was a lot younger, I mean, it was even in high school, I was a very shy person, mm. very introverted. Mm. And even, I mean, that I could get up in front of a bunch of legislators and talk and then talk at keynotes and talk at, I talked at the National Autism um, Society of, of, of America. Mm-hmm. And my parents were just, you could have pushed Blown them away. away. Yeah. Like, like, but I, but that's like something to say. Shannon's going to just be like, come on with this. Preach it, girl. That is something to say about a parent to an autistic child who will find the way, that, who yes. will find a way, who will do what it takes. Whatever it takes. You know, and, and mm-hmm. yes, it's for their kiddo, but mm-hmm. in reality, it's for the bigger, yeah, you know, the bigger community, whether it, it's just it, within their school district or it's through legislation in their state, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, that is just so incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And you're ferocious. Like I would never have thought you were <laughs> timid. You yeah, were timid. She was ferocious timid. in a gentle, yeah. loving way, but she's yeah. just very no. like, <laughs> Michael, literally he taught me a lot. I yeah. mean, seriously, how to speak up and just say, mm, no, this isn't going to happen. This isn't going to work. Yeah. 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 I mean, I was still, I mean, I think obviously it was still inside. It was still part of me. I was a very competitive person. I liked competitive sports, <laughs> uh, those types of things. So it just, you know, yeah. finally the, translated over into yeah, this. Unleashed yeah. the, unleashed. the lion. Mm-hmm. And the, well, I think I we can like, all mm. say that we are completely different humans now, a hundred percent than we were for before. the mm-hmm. for the better. I mean, mm-hmm. absolutely. You know, yeah. and and so I will be grateful for that. Oh, always. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. All right, guys, we are going to go ahead and end there for today. But remember, there's still going to be a part two to this episode, which will be uh, dropping next Monday. So stay tuned for that. And as always, don't forget to um, follow us on Instagram at Moms Talk Autism. Uh, send us a a lovely review um, or uh, shoot us an email if you uh, have anything you want to say uh, at he- or hello at momstalkautism.com and always, always, always five-star review because we appreciate it first and foremost and it does help us to reach more families like y'all. All right. See you next time. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.